0: I got up this morning and I was so incredibly excited. I mean, I had this excitement that was in me that was stirring out of what Holy Spirit had given me for this morning and it was a new level of excitement and I said to the team back in the office, I said to them, I said, it's like that, the best way I know to describe it is it's like that excitement difference that you feel between Thanksgiving and Christmas. I love Thanksgiving. It's like awesome, you know, all the turkey and we deep fried turkeys and and all the things that are there. The only thing I don't like about Thanksgiving is sweet potato casserole. But outside of that, everything, and scalloped potatoes, uh, but everything outside of that is incredible. But then when you think about Christmas, it goes to another level. I love Christmas. I just love it because I think Jesus is more important than pilgrims. Anyway, I love Christmas. But It's incredible. I love it. And then somebody said in there, a couple of people said, we like Thanksgiving even better. They get more excited about all the food and what have you. But whatever floats your boat, whatever makes you rise to another level of excitement. For someone, it might be because your team won. For someone, it might be because they're getting married in a week like next Sunday. So there's excitement there. For another, it might be they're graduating college, whatever it might be. They're having a child. But there's, there are things in our life that raise us to another level of anticipation and excitement. And I love, 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 love uh, those moments. And I got up this morning, and I'm driving in, and or even before I started driving in, but I'm, I'm leaving. And I was so excited. In fact, I left my sport coat I wanted to wear this morning on the back of the chair and the, at the table because I wanted to get here. I was ready to jump right in. And it's stirring in me. And I was considering this that we're about to read in 2 Chronicles. And I thought, you know, how it's really not that difficult to love God. You know, people make it difficult. But if they could really get a revelation of how simple it is to love God, Man, you wouldn't have to tell people to lift your hands, lift your voice. There would be something that rose up in them every time they saw the hand of God move in their life that would make them do that. Someone would have to say, okay, hold off right now because we're, we're, we're in the library. <laughs> but there's a level of excitement that gets drawn out of us when we see the hand of God move. And I was thinking, man... You know, it's just so easy to really, if we can wrap our mind around how simple it is to, to love God, it creates something in us that doesn't feel like a battle, but we move into it feeling like we're already victorious. Hallelujah. You know, and, and I think oftentimes that in our lives as believers, especially people who are just coming into the kingdom or who are trying to sort it out, you know, I received Christ. I repented, I believe He forgave me, or at least I think He forgave me, um, and I'm walking out this relationship, and I want to love Him, But in, in, in their mind, and in their world, there seems to be this battle going on, this constant thought process of, oh man, how do, I, how do I let Him know I love Him, how do I honor Him, you know, I hear the preacher preaching, I hear the people in the ter- church talking, and they share all the different ways that he gets them excited, but, you know, I'm just trying to work through those processes, and, and people can get so caught up in the am I covering point one and point two that they get lost in the simple fact, just love him, yeah, amen. just love him. You know, there's this thing about people talk about is the glass half full or is the glass half empty, which way do you see it? Is it half full or is it half empty? If it's half full, then I'm a person of optimism. I, I you know, hey, I think it's all going to work out well. But if it's half empty, you know, maybe I'm a skeptic. Maybe I'm a little bit like, yeah, you know, I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. It's really you know, it's about maybe three it's. Quarters. What is it? It's really about three quarters. Oh. <laughs> the <glass>. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I wasn't trying. I got you now. So, which way? And you try to wrap your mind around that, and people. are are pressing through that and they're they're constantly battling that thing how do i look at this thing because if i take a sip out of this half full glass now it's less than half full so do i really want to drink it do i want to take the risk and i can tell you today that when it comes to loving god and i want to say this to everybody it doesn't matter if you've known him all of your life which could be a long time or it could be a short time for some of us it's longer than others or if you've known him for an hour and a half doesn't matter However long you've known God, I want to tell you today that loving God is not a battle that we fight. It is a victory that we walk in. And it will always be a victory that we walk in. If we do this thing not from the perspective of trying to figure out what we're doing wrong, but recognizing what He's doing in us that is right. Does anybody hear me this morning? So let's talk about some things this morning and, and jump right into this thing. So let me start by asking this question. If you can follow along in the app, I encourage you to do that. But the first question I want to ask is, what gets in the way of the relationship that Yahweh wants to have with you? When you think about yourself, ask yourself this question. What gets in the way of the relationship that Yahweh wants to have with me? When you begin to think about that, I think if we're honest with ourselves, each and every one of us can think of the things that uh, get in the way of what we know uh, the type of relationship that Yahweh wants to have. Either it is uh, we can, and I'm just going to insert some things, not because I know that they apply to anybody's life in here, but I'm going to insert some things that could uh, across the board generally uh, be found in people's lives, and that is, you know. My job gets in the way of my relationship. I work so much, I really don't have time to talk to Him. Uh, The people that I hang out with get in the way. You know, I'm around these people, and none of them are ever talking about Him. And even if I want to, I couldn't. And that really gets in the way of my relationship because I'm constantly bombarded with all these things. My spouse gets in the way because I love God, but they don't love God. My my kids are teenagers, and that really does get in the way because it requires every minute of my time. (laughs) Whatever it might be, you know, Hurricane Ian, finances. I can't pay my electricity this week, and It really gets in my way because I begin to say, well, I can't pay my finances if God really loved me. He would have deposited my $103 into the account. So what things get in the way of the relationship that Yahweh wants to have with you? Because this is what you need to understand this morning. No matter where you're at, no matter what position you're in, no matter what road you've gone down, what choices you've made to date up to the moment, no matter what you've done, I can tell you emphatically, across the board, God wants to have relationship with you. It doesn't matter what you've done. You might say, "Well, you have no idea because I've been here and I've been there and, and I've done this and I've done that and I've not trusted Him." And, and you know, the things that do get in my way, in the way of my relationship with Yahweh, I keep finding myself becoming a part of those things, instead of opposing those things. So every time I want to win, I end up losing. Every time I want to please Him, I feel like somehow I end up failing Him. I want to tell you, even in the middle of all that, even if that's your statement, I want you to know that Yahweh wants to have a relationship with you. He desires to have a relationship with you. Even more than that, I want to tell you this morning that God loves you. He loves you. And you might even be asking, how can He love me in the condition that I'm in and the thoughts that I have and the places I go and the people I hang with and the things that I do? How can He love me in the middle of all of that? Because He's God. And because one thing that God will never do is he will never forfeit the purpose that he put in you when he sent you to be in in the earth. He will never repent. He's never going to say to himself, I forgive myself because I ever trusted Nicholas with this purpose. I forgive myself because I ever trusted Joey with this purpose. I forgive myself because I ever trusted Kathy with this purpose. That's what God will that's something He will never do. He will never have to forgive himself of anything, because he will never do anything that is ne- uh, forgivable. Never. But everything that the Father does, he does on behalf of you and me. And if we can wrap our mind around that and we can accept that what God wants to do is He wants to show us how much He loves us, it begin, if we can, again, wrap our mind around that, it helps us to come to the place where loving Him isn't the battle. In fact, loving Him isn't even really a journey. Loving Him is simply saying, in the middle of all of this, I trust you. In the middle of all of this, I'm going to keep growing. I'm going to love you because in the middle of all of this, what I won't do is give up on you. Because in the middle of all of this, you will not give up on me. So I made a few statements that I want to read to you this morning. If you're following along, you can follow with these in the app. Says, in, our recent, in our current world culture, relationship with God and any teaching related to it has been relegated to a nice idea that has passed its time and purpose. We live in a culture today where everything related to the Father, everything related to the kingdom is looked down upon. All around us in society, whether it's the media, whatever it is, all around, and I'll make these points in a moment, but all around us, no matter where you look, you turn on the television, no matter what it is, immediately everything about it is, is always going to try its, in its best form and its best way to diminish the power of God. Yeah. Everything around us, whether it's billboards, whether it's, corporations, whether it's journalists, uh, whether it's your boss, even family members. There are people all around us that will forever try to diminish the power of God in and in the, in the purpose of God for every living being. There are things always attacking that and trying to neutralize what we lay our hands on and what we believe in and what we put our faith in, always. A relationship with Yahweh has become something that is frowned upon as a pathway for the unlearned or misinformed. The world, if you're a believer today, everything about it, doesn't matter what you're watching, what you're doing, what environment you find yourself in outside of the kingdom, when you are, wherever you might find yourself, what it does is it will make you laughable if you believe in God. With all the science that exists, how can you possibly still believe in God? If God were real, why didn't He heal this person? If God were real, why do you struggle the way that you do? And society and culture and everything around us does everything it can to weaken what you believe in and who you believe in, causing you, even even people who have served the Lord all of their lives, to begin to question, do I really have a relationship with Him? Do I really see the power of God in my life? I mean, when you consider preachers today, and I'm going to use them as an example, though it happens across the board, uh, preachers stand out the most because obviously they're supposed to uh, be an example of something that is of a higher calling. But preachers around the world, you've all witnessed it, I've witnessed it, we will continue to witness it. Preachers around the world that end up having an affair with somebody in their congregation and they forfeit the call and the purpose, they forfeit Whatever uh, respect and honor that they had received because they had been walking before the Father and leading people into a relationship with Him. Let me tell you why they can fall into that. They can fall into a place where they can have a relationship that is improper and out of place. They can do this. They can find themselves floundering in sin for this reason. Because at some point that relationship became diminished. The power of God in their life and their mind was diminished by whatever's going, around, going on around them. Whether it be the authority that somehow they had heaped upon themselves. Whether it be the finances that somehow they had heaped on themselves. Whether it be the praises that somehow they heaped upon themselves. Whatever it might be, at some point something happened in their lives that caused them to come to a place where they begin to ask, is the relationship really all that important? Is there something really real there? And when that happens, suddenly another road appears that leads people who at one time would have lifted up, as we sang this morning, their hands and their faces before the Lord and roared as a lion would roar and say, I have found my prize. Suddenly, their roar becomes a whimper. Their uplifted hands, they find themselves sitting on in a seat back. They no longer have the courage or the strength or the stamina to begin to walk out their calling and their purpose because somehow their relationship with him was diminished. They forgot that loving God meant honoring God. And it meant simply, Father, what are you saying to me? I'm going to do that. They turned their attention to something else outside of simply loving God. God today is mocked in conversations on television and media and in classrooms everywhere. He's pushed upon our children. This is a true statement. I just witnessed this again the other day. But He has pushed upon our children as a mythical figure that's associated with ancient ideas. That's what people used to believe. Even the other day as I was watching a show, it was an older one, but I love Star Trek. And I was watching a Star Trek episode. In one of those episodes of Star Trek, uh, they were discussing uh, uh, one of the... I don't want to get into all the details, but somebody on the, on the film, on the show, was discussing this religion that people used to follow, this God that they used to follow. And one of the response of the commander of this ship said to them, said, well, what you're learning today is what so many of us have learned over the centuries. And that is that that was a good idea then. And it kept a lot of people on a good course then. But we don't need that anymore. Because now what we've learned among ourselves is science and intelligence and we've become smart and we've learned how to on our own without the need for a mythical God to be able to survive and to be able to move forward and to reach the universe and to go to other planets and begin to really disqualify anything that had to do with God as an ancient idea, as an ancient philosophy that added to nothing. Doesn't it remind you a little bit of the Tower of Babel? Is it really necessary that I serve God or can I build a monument with the hands of man? Can I build a high place with the hands of man that somehow will allow me to reach that place where God exists? And if I can reach that place, do I really need God? These same people who mock Yahweh and believe that believing in Him has no place in our lives and culture have decided that things, position, and science are what mankind should seek after for all their answers. And to meet all of their needs. These same people that are disqualifying. As I watch these people disqualify. I think about in my own self. I think about the ways and the means. And I I even think about just personally as you might. Before I knew God. Or certainly before I had a relationship with God. I would known God for a long time. But I can honestly say I knew Him. I've known Him a lot longer than I've had relationship with Him. And that's probably true of most people under the sound of my voice. To know Him and to have relationship with Him, it is not the same thing. People all over the world know God, but they do not yet love God. They don't love God because no relationship has been formed and they've not found a reason to remove the high places that inhibit them from knowing Him like He wants to be known. But there's people all around us that are mocking Him every day and believing He has no place in this. I mean, even in our government, in the U.S. government, there's this decree, there's this idea that there should be a separation of church and state. What that really means is that the government wants the church out of the state, but they don't want to get the state out of the church. That's what that really means. It has nothing to do with separating that for any good reason. It has everything to do with separating that because the world, the enemy, culture, fears, the power of God if people were to recognize and begin to understand what power there is in knowing God. Governments are intimidated by a people who know exactly who they are in the Creator. Governments are intimidated by a people who know how to love God. And when they love God, their faith surpasses whatever is requirement required by the law. It doesn't matter whether it's the American government or a government anywhere in the world today. I can tell you, when, it, when, the, when the Father said that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess, He wasn't talking about this one or that one. He was talking about everyone and every government, every authority fears a people who know who they are in the Father. And what the Father's looking for is a people that will love Him and love Him in such a way where everything around you trembles. You don't tremble at it. Where you are changing cultures and cultures aren't changing you. Where you are changing ideals and ideals aren't changing you. Where you are changing neighbors and neighbors aren't changing you. When you are changing college universities and college universities aren't changing you. When you are changing the professors and the professors aren't changing you. When you are changing your mom and dad's mind and your mom and dad's not changing yours. You need to hear what I'm telling you today. What the earth needs today is for somebody to say, I love God and I want to know how to love God. And I'm going to tell you, loving God's not hard. Loving God is saying, I trust you. I trust you and I'm not going to push you off in a corner and act like you don't exist. I'm not going to allow the lies that I hear. I'm not going to allow the deceptions that I see. I'm not going to allow just because culture allows it doesn't mean that I'm going to allow it. Because Father, at the end of the day, I don't care what culture does. If you're not in that culture, neither will I find myself in it. 2 Chronicles chapter 20 tells the story of King Jehoshaphat. It's an incredible story. It's an interesting story. But it speaks of how he followed after the father just like his daddy Asa did. But then there was something that he didn't do that began to cost him in future generations. In fact, 2 Chronicles is very, First and 2 Chronicles is full of stories where this king followed hard after the father who followed hard after their father. But then their sons didn't. In one chapter, man, they loved God with all their heart, soul, and mind. In the next chapter... They did everything evil in the sight of the Lord. From generation to generation. I'm going to tell you why. Second Chronicles chapter 20 tells us exactly why from generation to generation kingdoms fall. Tells us exactly why. And when I'm talking about kingdoms from generation to generation, I'm talking about a mom and dad and your sons and daughters. And I'm talking about sons and daughters and your sons and daughters. I'm talking about generations in here. There are generations in this room right now. Listen to me. I, I'm, I'm not prophesying. I'm just going to tell you today unless things change. There are generations, there are children sitting among us today who will, be, who will grow up and never acknowledge God sitting in this room if changes are not made. There are people under the sound of my voice who are raising children today who are raising up another generation. When they grow up, they will not remember to even give thanks For one thing that the father does. Because they will not recognize it as something that the father did. They will recognize it as something that the government did. Or this one did. Or that one did. Do you hear me today? Don't think for a second you got that A because you had the best teacher in the classroom. It doesn't matter what teacher you got. If you want an A bad enough, you're going to get it. You need to hear me this morning. It doesn't matter what your neighbor says. It doesn't matter what they do. If you want to overcome bad enough, you'll overcome. It doesn't matter what situation you find yourself in. If you want to honor God enough, you'll honor God in it. You need to hear me this morning. Let's read in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. It starts like this in verse 31. Thus Jehoshaphat reigned over Judah. He was the king of Judah. He was 35 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 25 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Azubah, the daughter of Shilhai. And he walked in the way of Asa, his father, and he did not turn aside from it. Everybody say, he did not, he did not turn aside from it. Aside from it. He, did right he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. Let's say that again. Say, he walked in the way of the Lord, he walked in the way of the Lord. and did not turn aside from it. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. And then this little catchy verse that follows that says, the high places, however... The high places, however, the Babylon's of their lives, the cultures they found themselves in, the groups they hung out with, the places they would visit, were not taken away. The people had not yet set their hearts upon the God of their fathers. So let me ask this question again. Did Jehoshaphat do what was right in the sight of the Lord and not turn aside from it? Did he? Yes. He did do what was right in the sight of the Lord and he did not turn aside from it. The problem is, from generation to generation, he did not allow or give opportunity for this generation and that generation to begin to equip their children, the next generation, to honor God like He did. We see it all through Scripture, whether it be Eli or whomever you want to use. We see it all through Scripture where men of God, women of God, would serve the Lord with all their heart, soul, and mind. But somehow that did not pass that on to the next generation. They would not pass that on to their children. But I want to say this about Jehoshaphat. Though he loved the Lord, he did not turn aside from it. He can lead, but he cannot impose. In the same way, I could stand behind this pulpit and I could teach in a hundred lifetimes. I could teach the same message in a hundred lifetimes. And not change one life. Because a life that has changed is not changed because of me. Mm. Every life that has changed is changed because that life decides. I'm going to receive and I'm going to let what I heard change me. I can teach like Jehoshaphat, but I cannot impose. There's a story that I've shared many times. I'll share it again. I'll share it really quickly. I used to share this story when my wife and I would evangelize. And it was... Just what I did back then. But uh, you're going to know it and and you're going to find what I'm saying to be true. But there's a story about a man who went to preach at a church and he was an evangelist and he went. And as he went to preach and they invited him to come and he's standing up there and he starts the service. And he said, I want everybody to turn with me in your Bibles to John 3.16. Everybody turns in their Bible to John 3.16. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Would anybody come? Nobody came. He closes the service. He said, we're done. See you tomorrow night. He leaves. He comes back the next night. Preacher invites him to come back up. Pastor, preacher, evangelist, come on up. He stands up. He said, open your Bibles, please, to John 3, 16. Everybody opens their Bibles, and he quotes the Scripture again. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Is there anybody here that will come? Nobody came. He said, service is over. He said, I'll see you tomorrow night. The pastor of the church is now frustrated. He's mad. Is that the only scripture that this guy knows? <laughs> Does he not see that people are not going to respond to that? The next night the guy gets up there and he's hopeful. The pastor's hopeful. He'll have a different message tonight. The evangelist comes to the pulpit and he stands up and he said, Would everybody please turn with me to John 3 They turn to John 3.16 and he quotes the scripture For God so loved the world that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Is there anybody here that will come? And nobody came. The pastor comes up while he's standing in front of the entire congregation. And the pastor says, sir, he says, do you not see that for three nights you've been preaching this message and not one person has responded? He said, when will you move on to the next? And he said, when they get the first message, I'll move on to the second. I can tell you that it's a matter of not only hearing, but it's a matter of receiving. It's a matter of positioning ourselves. You want to know how to love God? You love God here here when they get that first message i'll move on to that second message when they understand that i can't impose the salvation of god on any man or woman i cannot say you will be saved today because i think that it would be true of any minister of the gospel any of you that aren't that do not do this like i do all the time this is your life this is your calling But I still believe it would be true of anybody if it were possible for us to go and to lay hands on somebody and say, you will be saved. Within the next minute, you're going to know Jesus. You're going to know God. You're going to repent. He's going to change your life, and you'll never be the same. It's going to happen. And you were able to do that. I'm sure that if it were possible, we'd walk out of this building right now and stop wasting our breath in here. And we'd walk out of this building and we'd go find every single person that's not in a church this morning. And we'd, we'd go up to them and we'd say to them, in one minute you're going to be saved. Rejoice. In Jesus' name be saved. But it, we cannot impose. We cannot impose the love of God on anybody. We cannot impose the message of God on anybody. What we can do is teach. Teach. What we can do is gather around the table where we eat. We can gather around the table where we drink our tea. We can gather on our walk in our neighborhood and we can engage in conversation with a generation that has been trusted to us. And we can say to them and remind them over and over and over again. What we have, we have because God has shown favor on us. We did not come across anything. We did not stumble into the life that we live, but by the glory and the grace of God, we walk where we walk today. Going back to Jehoshaphat, here's here's this man. He did what was right in the the sight of the Lord, and he did not turn aside from it. However, the high places were not taken away because the people had not yet... Set their hearts upon the God of their fathers. They had not yet come. Let me paraphrase it. They had not yet come to the place where they understood how to love God. Because no one showed them why they could or should. Imagine this as a church, if you would. View it is a building that we're gathered in. And Jehoshaphat is up there every week and he's preaching the gospel. And he's sharing with the people. We're going to honor the Father. We're going to honor Him with our lives. We're going to pray. We're going to gather. At that time, we're going to make the sacrifices that are required. We're going to do all that we know to do. And the leadership is going to do all that we know to do to glorify Him. And we will not turn aside from it. But if the people heard but did not follow, what comes next is not the same result and story that happened in Jehoshaphat. Again, I want to remind you that statement that Martin Luther said, he said, I've held many things in my hand and I've lost them all. But whatever I have placed in God's hands, that I still possess. I've had a lot of ideas. I've had a lot of dreams. I've had a lot of thoughts. I've had a lot of hopes. Had a lot of passions. Had a lot of things in my hand. But any of those things that get in the way of a relationship with God, you'll find one day what today you hold in your hand. Tomorrow will be buried in dirt without the ability to grow anything of life and purpose. But that that I lay hold of, that is of the Father, hear me this morning. If I will wrap my hands around those things that belong to the Father and that the Father has promised me, and if I will lay hold of those things and they become, as it were, the pearl of great price, And I say, I will not cast what the Father has put in my heart before the swine. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to lay hold of this and I'm going to share what God has done with me with my seed. When I sit at my table, I'm not going to sit at my table and only talk about the Tampa Bay Bucks and whether or not Tom Brady and Giselle are getting divorced. (laughs) When I sit at my table, I'm going to make sure that when God does something miraculous in our lives... When something incredible happens, whether those who are under the sound of our hearing believe it or not, we're going to let them know. This is the result of serving God. Well, we don't serve God and we've had good things happen to us. Yeah, but those good things could have been better things. I'm telling you today. I am telling you the truth today. See, the people of the kingdom of Judah, even though Jehoshaphat, did not turn aside from the Lord and he honored him with everything in him. The, king, the people of the kingdom of Judah had not yet turned their attention to the Father, to their God. And they continued to lay hold of the high places from generations before them that separated them from God. There's people under my voice, under the sound of my voice right now that things that have happened in generations before you, things, traditions that have been handed down from your family, beliefs that have been handed down from your family, you still cling to those, you hang on to those. You didn't see them produce any results in your family and you're hoping they'll produce results in you. I've got bad news for you. If it didn't do anything for the generations before you and they're not coming up shiny, don't use that Brasso on your equipment. You hear me today? Yes, it's not didn't work for them. It's not going to work for you and the people of the kingdom of Judah. They did not tell the stories. It got lost because when they sat around the table, they talked about how much money they had. Yeah, come on. Look out. Come on. This is what we got. This is what we've got. Let me tell you, we got money. You're never going to be worried about your future. Hey, you're getting married. It's wonderful. Do well. Be blessed. Prosper. No talk about the Father. Have you asked God? Have you asked Yahweh yet if he is for you or if she is for you? Are you telling them that are sitting at the table with you, whatever blessing I walk in, I want you to know I walk in it because of God. And if it's going to be a blessing passed to you, it will only be a blessing to you if you too walk in relationship with God. Men for centuries and eons of time have passed down an inheritance from this generation to this generation. It was an inheritance that only lasted one generation because they did not honor God in the same way the generation did where it began. People are hanging on to religious ideas and teachings today as they sit around the table and they keep vomiting those ideas up to the generation sitting around them without any, any, any fruit at all, whether or not that's ever done anything good in anyone's life. But they'll gather around the table and they'll tell them, read 10 scriptures a day, pray for an hour a day. If you do these things, somehow God's going to honor you. They never say, ask God what He wants you to do. Maybe He wants you to read 20. Maybe today he doesn't want you to read at all. He just wants you to show up getting coffee at the Circle K because he sent somebody there, and that Circle K just became your Samaritan well. Is anybody hearing what I'm telling you today? The people had not yet set their hearts upon the God of their fathers. Doesn't matter what Jehoshaphat does. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to challenge you today. Set your hearts. On the God, not only of your fathers that have come before you. You know, there's something to be said. There's, there's something incredible. And again, I go back to our culture today. And our culture is doing everything it, it can do to minimize, to demoralize, to, to neutralize the, the need for fathers, the need for mothers in people's lives. They're doing everything that they can to remove authority in people's lives. You don't need authority. Be your own man. Be your own boss. Do your own thing. You don't need anybody to give you instruction. But see, in times past when God showed himself mighty, there was always a people they knew from generation to generation. Let me tell you who my daddy is. And let me tell you who my daddy's daddy is. And let me tell you who my daddy's daddy is. And let me tell you who my daddy's daddy's daddy daddy is. I want to tell you who all of them are. You know why I want to tell you who they all are? You know why I've recited it? Do you know why I know it? Because I heard it every day. I heard about what my great, 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 great granddaddy did. And I heard about what my great granddaddy did. And I was there when my daddy did it. And because it worked for them, it's going to work for me. And I'm going to tell you the same God that they serve, I serve. Today, people grow up and they don't even know who their first generation father is. And they have nothing to tie that to. Generations are lost. People count today as insignificant, what in times past people would not miss a moment for. People today look at even gathering on Sunday morning at church as, well, if I can make it, I'll make it. If I can be there, i got a late night, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I can work it out. Yep. Can I just be honest this morning? If I can be there, I'll be there, but you know, I've got a lot of things going on. Got my family in town. I, you know, I always, it's always humorous to me. I've never had family in town where I stayed away from church. I tell them, you can come with me or you'll see me when I get back. But you aren't important enough for me to miss gathering with the people of God. Now, I know for some folks that might hit home. I'm just preaching. You have to decide whether you're going to do the receiving. But when we turn our heart and we say, you know what, Father, there's nothing more important than you. And we begin to demonstrate that. You want God to do it. How do you love God? Let him know how important he is to you. Let him know that he isn't diminished in you. That you aren't buying the culture. You're removing the high places. You're removing those things that separate you from him. You're removing the things that separate you from being able to love him. One of the reasons he talks about rich people so much in Scripture and and the problem that they have with serving God is because when when people start getting money, they start focusing on its power. And they think that it has power. He said money's never had power. He said what, what money does is it's a seed for deception. There's nothing wrong with having money. If you've got it, hey, amen, tithe. If you don't have it, we're going to pray you do get it. Whether little or much. We're going to pray your needs are met. So there's nothing wrong with having it. There's nothing wrong with being wealthy. There's nothing wrong with not being wealthy. And it's not God's promise that everybody will be wealthy. But His promise is that your needs will be met. But I'm going to tell you today, when we position ourselves and we set ourselves, they had not yet heard, they had not yet wrapped their mind around the God of their fathers. They had not yet received. You might say, well, I don't have that. Can I tell you this? I'm going to take the position today that Paul took. And he said, follow me as I follow God. And you might say, well, I don't have a father as a demonstration. You've got me. If you don't know how to love God, ask me. You don't know how to honor him, ask me. Paul's no better than me. I'm no better than Paul. Paul's no better than you. You're no better than Paul. The same spirit that was in Paul the Apostle. Is in Steve the Parker. And you and you and you and you. Follow me as I follow God. How do I love God? I tear down the high places. And I begin by asking Him what is in my life that is separating me from a right relationship with you. What is in my life that might separate me today from a relationship with you, but will destroy the opportunity for the next generation coming up after me? We're not going to change governments because we point our fingers at them and pray and prophesy over them. It's hilarious to me. All the churches getting together, we're going to, man, we're just going to pray for our government that, you know, they're going to turn their hearts. And they haven't even turned their... They're pointing their finger and the pointers haven't even turned their hearts yet. <laughs> we spend more time demonstrating than we do talking. I want to tell you, we give God something to work with. That's right. Don't stop praying. But don't just pray. Corruptible things will lead one away from an incorruptible God high places that we allow to rule in us that take us away from our attention on him and a high place is anything that causes us to look outside of the glory of God these high places are things that are corruptible what I mean by that is they are things that will pass as Martin Luther said you'll have them in your hand today and tomorrow you'll find that they're empty But what is of God will last forever. Corruptible things will lead you away from the incorruptible God. As long as you foster and permit anything in your life that draws you away from God, idols, those things will remain as corruptible interference leading you away from that incorruptible God. I'm going to read it to you again. Write it down if you choose. As long as you foster and permit anything in your life that draws you away from God, those things will remain as corruptible interference leading you away from an incorruptible and eternal God. So I want to close, wrap it up this morning with this. And that is, how do you love God with the information that I've given you? Three simple things. One, tear down the high places in your life. Well, I don't know what all of them are. You know what some of them are. Well, I'm, I'm a, you know... Can a believer have high places? Oh, we, we, man, we all stumble into a high place every now. We find ourselves in places that end up being high that once were low. The simplest things. Suddenly, he's not the most important thing in your life anymore. Honoring him, tear down the high places in your life. Do a self-review this morning, and allow Holy Spirit to show you what gets in the way of relationship with the Father, the relationship He wants you to have. And then lastly, ask God to forgive you of those things He shows you that are in the way. Ask Him to forgive you. How do I love God? I simply say, Father, I recognize what you're showing me. Forgive me. But don't make hard. Don't make difficult what really is not difficult. You want to love God? Love Him. Talk to Him. The way you love him may not look like the way the guy beside you loves him. I'm a very excitable person. I get excited. I love God very loudly, very expressively, demonstratively, whatever word you want to use. That's how I love him. I'm excited, man. He does something. I get excited and I tell everybody about it. And people will, you know, they can look and they can, oh my gosh, here he is again. They can do any of that. It's irrelevant. Somebody else might love God and they might love him quietly. But if you love him, love him. But include him in everything about your life. Tear down those places that hinder you from being able to know him the way he wants to be known Jehoshaphat it was amazing what he did especially when you move into the next chapters after that you get into chapter 27 it's incredible when he talks about how this king I forgot his name Joram how King Joram begins to serve him and begins to honor him and and in his honor the father says and I'm paraphrasing he says and he, he blessed him so abundantly because of his honor but then his son did not acknowledge the ways of God I don't want to be the guy and I don't want you to be the one That says, man, in all of my life I honored the Father, but somehow I didn't pass that on to the next generation. Holy Spirit, reframe our mind so that somehow we don't allow ourselves to come to the place where we believe and accept that living together is okay outside of marriage. So that somehow we stop accepting, somehow we accept that homosexuality is okay. It's not. Father help me to stop justifying what you call love so that it can make sin acceptable. Father help me today I'm talking to you today charging you today I'm charging everybody in this room today I'm charging anyone under the sound of my voice today and I'm challenging you today I hope hope that Holy Spirit is, is gripping hold of who you are and saying come on wake up today don't let it be said of you they have not yet turned to the God of their fathers and if you don't have an example to follow let it begin with you if generation after generation before you did not honor God Let you be the generation that does. We will change the world if we will in every way begin to honor Him and remove the high places that separate us from Him. Amen? Stand with me if you would, please. I want you... We're going to do a couple of things here. But I'm going to pray for this entire congregation today. Because I believe that it's true of all of us I know that it's true of all of us. If we do not keep our attention on Him, again, there's a world that is trying to diminish who God really is and even cause question to arise in those who at one time it would have been unquestionable. I want you to know today when we begin to turn our face to Him, And everything, we recognize that everything that happens in our life is a result of His goodness. I'm saved because He sent His Son. I'm being born again every day because His Son is working in me through Holy Spirit. I'm maturing in Him because He's making Himself known to me as I continue to submit myself to Him and give Him glory. Some of the things that you accept today, I believe, we accept today. Some of the things we accept today, we will no longer accept the more we hear His voice. Some of the things we have accepted, we have accepted because we've stopped listening for His voice. It's possible that in all of us, whether today or another day, we will entertain a high place. We get distracted with something that comes up and it seems so big it captures our entire attention and somehow we lose sight that, hey, God is above it all. My prayer today is that in all of us there is a spirit of forgiveness, a repentance. Father, forgive me. If I've allowed anything to get in the way, forgive me Father I lift my voice over the people of this house come on raise your hands all over this building Father I lift my voice over the people of this house today I lift my voice over those watching online today I lift my hands with them and I pray today that you will forgive us those things that we've allowed to get in the way those ideas those thoughts those things that are tangible or intangible Father today forgive us Loving You is not some battle that we have to continually fight, but loving You is simply saying, Father, we recognize You in all things and the more we recognize You, the more we know, the more we understand, the more glorious You become. Father, heal today what needs to be healed. Help us see today where we need to see. Help us today to by Your Word and by Your Spirit remove those high places to again fix our focus and our attention on You. Not on things, but on you. Father, be glorified today. Forgive us. And speak to us. When we find ourselves entering into those places. Where high places are taking root. Where we begin to fix our focus on things that are separating us from you. Holy Spirit, we invite you. Not to be our conscience but to be God working in us we invite you to make us aware empower us today to make the decisions that we need to make today that will remove those there's some we need to take some axes to some roots today father empower us give us the strength those that need it today give us the strength to tear down those places That have divided those walls of partition. Help us today by your word and by your spirit to tear those places down. Our heart is to glorify you. We will change the world because we glorify you. We will change our neighbors because we glorify you. We will set up the next generation to honor you because we glorify you. We love you, Father, with all of our heart. With everything in us today, we love you. We repent. We ask that you forgive us where we've come up short. As we leave this place today, we leave knowing that it's not a battle we fight, but it is a victory that we walk in, that you are working in us. You are alive in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Come on, put your hands together this morning.